Welcome to the Infinite Love Podcast, a place where we talk about the power of love and its creative expression in our lives. We talk about all things related to growth, positivity, and kindness. And I am your host, Corinne Kamara. Episode 74, Falling in Love with Compassion. Compassion is a huge part of infinite love, and I'm excited to share this guest with you today, whose life's work is to bring more compassion into people's lives. Giselle Traba has worked in the non-for-profit field in leadership for over 14 years and is a mother of two beautiful children. She's a trained counselor and also a trained mindful self-compassion teacher. Under her leadership, she has taken teams that were considered dysfunctional and assisted them in becoming flourishing and compassionate teams. Giselle is co-owners of Maitri Center for Love and Compassion. She and her husband offer one-to-one sessions and workshops to individuals and also work with businesses to increase the amount of compassion at work. In today's episode, Giselle and I talk about the power of love and compassion. Let's get into it. Hello, and welcome to the Infinite Love Podcast. Today, we have a beautiful guest, Giselle. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. So today, we're going to be talking about love, as we always do, and specifically about you. And we would love to hear what your love story is, how you fell in love with yourself, and the path that you've chosen to do for work, and how you're bringing your love as an act of service. Yeah. Uh, thank you very much uh, for asking me to share my story. Um, I think first, if you don't mind, I would just like to define what I consider a sort of uh, love. Um, I define it more as like unconditional love, unconditionally accepting myself, seeing all aspects of myself um, and treating myself kind of with, with compassion and with gentleness and really motivating myself that way. How my journey started uh, really was one where I was really kind of sleepwalking through life. Um, I had some childhood trauma um, and I was not aware of how anxious and how um, sad and how miserable I was making myself with my own thoughts. Um, All I knew is that I had a lot of anxiety, had some panic attacks, and I was really, really insecure in my relationships. I um, didn't like how I looked. I always thought there would be somebody prettier or smarter uh, than me. And so so I was constantly not really wanting to engage in relationships. And when I did, I was really insecure. Um, And I was having lunch with my girlfriend one day um, and I was telling her about my issues with my boyfriend and how he makes comments about other women and he does this and he does that. And and so she's eating her salad and she puts her fork down and she looks at me and she goes, why are you doing this to yourself? And that shook me. Because I was not expecting it. Here I was playing the victim role. Here I was like, oh, look at me. Like, look at all these things that are happening to me. And it sort of took a step back. And then she just kind of went on continuing eating her salad. And that sort of started a journey of awareness for me in realizing that all of these things that I was doing, I may have had things that might have happened to me earlier in life, but everything that I, that continued to happen to me, they reliving some of the experiences, the assumptions and beliefs that I had acquired um, from other people, from in terms of how I interpreted things, was all me. 
Um, and so I was a, a really negative thinker. I, I did not trust myself or other people. Um, and I didn't really love myself. Like I didn't really accept myself as I was. Um, and so I embarked on a journey of really becoming really aware of my thoughts, like really aware of what I was thinking and how I was hurting myself with my thoughts. And I had realized that I had grown up in a really kind of negative environment, not because on purpose, my parents were doing the best they could and their parents were doing the best they could. So it was like kind of like a cascade of things, right? Um, and sort of, and so I started to go through this journey of, okay, I need to understand what it is it that I believe and how I feel so that I can maybe shift it. And so one small way that I started was I started listening. I don't know. Have you heard of somebody called Louise Hay? Oh, of course. Yeah. Oh, I love her. And so I just started listening to her positive affirmations and I, yeah. I was listening to them on loop. Just on loop, just not like really like going into it. Oh, I have to believe all these things. I would just listen to her tell me that people were all doing the best they can. And so was I. And so as I started to do that, I kind of started to reprogram my brain that way. That I was like, oh, you know what? And so I used to call her my old lady. <laughs> I'm listening to my old lady. Um, and so I would listen to her. And then I started with mindfulness and meditation. And then I incorporated into my uh, journey self-compassion, uh, treating myself with kindness and motivating myself with kindness. Uh, and now I, it's, this is not to say that I completely, absolutely love myself 100% all of the time. Um, it's a journey that I choose every day. Every day I choose to be more loving to myself and to other people. Um, but I remember waking up one night, like I don't even know how, like I just kind of woke up in the middle of the night and said, God. I love myself. I'm worth it. I'm totally worth it. And I was like, where did that come from? And it was just this feeling of, you know what? I, I, I'm, I'm lovable just because I exist. I don't have to own it. I don't have to do anything. It doesn't matter what other people think or feel. I'm just lovable just because I exist. And so is everyone else. And so I think at that point, I realized that I had kind of shifted. I you know, I'm blessed that I, I no longer suffer from that anxiety and the panic attacks. Um, I do periodically have negative thoughts. So you go, oh, hello, there you are again, right? Mm -hmm. um, and and yeah. sort of catch myself before they, they go. But that was really the journey that really kind of started. It started with my friend saying to me, what are you doing? And then just going back to eat for salad. <laughs> Well, we all need those moments where somebody gives us that reflection upon ourselves. And I think that's, for me, what shifted me to understand what unconditional love meant. Because somebody else had to say, hey, like, that's not loving. Yeah. To yourself, like to myself, the things I was doing to myself, yeah. which was like, you always think that, oh, it's very clear when you say something mean to someone else. Like, that's not yeah. a nice thing to do. But how many times do we say mean things to ourselves? You know, and yeah. those, you know, the negative thoughts that we continue to have and repeat in our mind. Yeah. If I could just add to add, I was not always so covertly mean to myself. It wasn't like I was like, you're a horrible person, you're not doing. It was sometimes very subtle. It was in the, the negative thinking that I yeah. can't have everything that I want or this person is going to go because they're going to find somebody more attractive or, or maybe smarter. But underneath the sponsoring thought of the course thought of that is I'm not worthy. 
And I didn't use those words. And so I totally really, I really ducked down and said, oh, I don't think I'm worthy. I don't think that I think that I deserve these things. But on the surface, it just looked like I was a victim or that I was like, you know, having these negative thoughts. Um, but underneath those thoughts are more, I guess, poor thoughts and sometimes not so nice thoughts. Right. Yeah. The feeling of not feeling loved, not feeling enough, which are the core pains that I feel like every human at some point experiences. Yeah. Sadly, it's yeah. like one of these places. But I mean, it's how we grow. Maybe this is what this earthly plane is for to really understand what unconditional love truly is. Because in a lot of ways, we all experience conditional love. We all have that sense yeah. of people love you, but then they take it away or becomes a manipulation tool. I'll do this if you do this. And I think a lot of us understand that level of love, but then when somebody unconditionally loves you, it becomes like a mind warp. I think the first time it happened to me, I was like, well, what do you want? What do you need? Like, what do you want from me? Because love has always been- What's your agenda? What's your agenda, right? Because love has always been transactional. Like you do this and I do this. You know, I'm from New York. So it was very like, Bada bing, bada boom. <laughs> like, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. like, and then, and then coming out to California, having a totally different experience. Not that New York is bad and you can't find your heart in New York. You totally can. But for me, it required me to leave. And um, I started to understand that people could be different. People can actually give and not want anything in return. Yeah. And you know what's interesting in my journey is I didn't realize how much of my power and my love I was giving away to other people. What I mean is that uh, I needed them to love me so that I could feel lovable. And when I realized, hey, I can give this to myself. I can love myself. I can nurture myself. I can reaffirm myself. I stopped giving away my power to other people. You know, I, I had something interesting that to me was baffling. And it was such a gift. And, and I think sometimes I think to myself how par- paradoxical life is. So for the longest time growing up, I was so desperate for some, like for people to love me and for people to see me as all of these things, like smart and attractive and all of these wonderful things. When I started giving it to myself, I realized I didn't need it anymore. But that's when people started giving it to me. Right. I was like, I was like, oh, I can do this to myself. I can fill my own bucket. I don't need you to fill my bucket. I don't need, like, I just don't need it. And then people, and, and then you get those sort of that, that love you were looking for, you get it. And then you're like, oh, I'm so grateful for this. But whether it's there or not, it doesn't make or break you because you already have a source from within. Yeah. You're already lighting the candle from within. But I thought that was really interesting because all this time that I needed it and I was desperately clinging for it, it was like, it was nowhere to be found. <laughs> it's like the, the little rolling, you know, like, hey, that comes and you're like, oh man. But then when you when you realize that I, you no longer have to give your power away to others, you, you no longer have to, they can't make or break you. Like you, you kind of have like an inner stillness. It's like an inner strength, which is like, okay, no matter what happens, I'm going to be okay. I'm still a little I'm still worthy. And it's all, it's all good. So yeah, that was, that was interesting to me because I, yeah. I so didn't expect that. Yeah. It's, um, and, and I agree with that. And another perspective for me on that same, um, line of thought is when you love yourself, then you shift your vibration to that vibration of love energy, which is a totally different energy field which then attracts 
more of that love into your life. And so like attracts like, right? So you're like at the space of you are the energy that you want to attract. And when you're not in that space, when you're in that negative space, the victim space, then, and you're reaching for that love, then it's like you're always reaching and then th- that energy is moving away because it's like, it doesn't match. And so when you're in that space, it's always kind of like, you're always, it's like being super, super thirsty and wanting to drink, but you're only at the ocean and you can't really drink salt water. <laughs> so like, you're like, I don't have any water. I need fresh water. I'm surrounded by water, but I can't drink the water. You know, it's like not, it's such a, it's such a terrible feeling that um, it drives us all to madness, mostly. I mean, it drives us to addiction. It drives us to do very, very painful, hurtful things to others and to ourselves and ending up in relationships that are not healthy for us because we're wanting that love so badly. I mean, most, a lot of my relationships have been from that place of desperation, like wanting something so bad and then you get it and it's like not for your highest good. It was for a higher purpose. I learned a lot. It was, I mean, those relationships are so, it's like, it's like a master's degree of learning who you are and those kinds of situations where I'm just, if you can look at it from that perspective, I feel like that's also, you got to learn how to like look at life as a, okay, this is an opportunity for growth. But when you're in it, it's very, very like, oh my God, like, what did I do? And, you know, so. Yeah. Uh, thank you for sharing that. Um, you know, you said so many key things. And I think one of the things you, you talked about is that, that everyone's kind of a mirror of us, right? And so mirroring back to us where we are energetically, right? Um, and when we think about energetic alignment, um, you're right. Like, I stopped being resistant, right? I stopped needing it. And so there's, I was creating this inner resistance to receiving it because, like, all I was saying in my energy was, I don't have it, I don't have it, I don't have it, I don't have it. But once I was able to give it to myself, I let go of the resistance. I let go of that, right? And I was able to then, because I was um, in that higher low vibration, I was able to attract, like you were saying. Yeah. Um, and now, now I see, like, this isn't always, right? Sometimes you still get tripped up at times. I sometimes, oh, always, bit, yeah. you know, you get triggered, and you're like, oh, there's that again. Okay, hello. What are you <laughs> But I, I make a conscious choice to see the things in my life as just feedback. So when something comes up and goes, okay, this, what is this feedback giving me in terms of, okay, what is it telling me about what I'm thinking or feeling? What is it that I'm believing in this situation, especially when I get triggered? And how can I now choose something else, right? Yeah. Um, because sometimes it's, you don't even notice, like, you know, sometimes periodically things will come up. Like my husband and I work together. We have a great relationship. Periodically he'll say, I'll do something. And I will feel like an inner resistance and going, no, I don't want to do that. And then I'm like, oh, why am I like, what is really underneath there? Like, why am I reacting? Like he's just putting forth an idea. So it, and it's that exploration that enables us to go, oh, this is like a clarifying moment. Okay, so what is it for me that's happening and why am I being? And so it's an opportunity for me to reflect. I didn't always see it that way, right? Oh, no. Yeah. We -hmm. see challenging people as really challenging, right? And there are some challenging people that are extremely challenging that it may take (laughs) years to be able to deal with or even deconstruct that relationship if you choose to. 
But choosing to be in a relationship where you're constantly growing is like what you said earlier. It's a choice. Like you're choosing to be loving. You're choosing to be to be in a path of healing because ultimately those are all learning to heal. Like when you get triggered, it's like, oh, there's this pain that this is an opportunity for me to heal this pain. Obviously, because if it if it wasn't painful, it wouldn't have gotten triggered. Like if we have a scar and it's scabbed when somebody hits it, it's going to hurt. But if it's completely healed, somebody could tap it and it'll be fine, right? So I think we've all experienced that when we have a wound, a physical wound. We're like, yeah, oh, we try to protect it, right? We don't want anyone to bump into it. And I we do the same with our heart. It's so interesting how, but it's so nice to be with someone or to have an amazing group of friends that you can trust enough to allow that vulnerability to happen where you can be like, hey, yeah. pause this you know something doesn't feel right here like what's happening for you what's happening for me like why did you say that why am i reacting because that also requires a certain level of emotional maturity you know mm-hmm. i feel like i just got to that place in my life <laughs> not just but the last few years i've gotten more and more into that space of having those conversations with myself and others but it took a long time because for so many years i was like no no that's I'm good. What's your problem? <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> like, I'm a good person. I don't know about you, but I'm good. <laughs> I love that. So it took yeah. a long time to start to take full ownership of like, hey, no, this is me. Like, what can I do to shift? You know? Yeah. yeah. And, and I love that you said that. Um, it, it, it took me a while, too, to realize, oh, it's it's me. Right? Like, I'm, like, energetically, I'm contributing. I'm aligning to this. And, um. And it's so interesting because I, one of the things I realized in my journey is how our thoughts create our feelings and therefore create our reality, right? Like what we align and bring to ourselves and how my thoughts about, like, I didn't trust people. Like I didn't trust, I didn't really have like the, what the friendships that I had growing up, God bless them. I love them. They're still like, I still have like awesome best friends. That's because they stuck around with me. They're like, I'm not going anywhere, girl. You don't, don't worry. But honestly, um, I realized that when we have thoughts like, I don't trust people, for example, the people that come to us that are truly trustworthy and they're loving and compassionate, we're gonna, those people we are going to trust. We are going to be like, no, no. And the people that actually act in ways that, that confirms what we believe, those are the people we will gravitate to. Why? Right. Because we don't like to be wrong. <laughs> Our mind doesn't like to be wrong, so we're going to have that confirmation bias. I'm going to stick to these people because they confirm what I believe. And all of these other people, and I've seen this a lot in relationships with the people we work with, with my friends, how they were not attracted to the guy that was super loving and compassionate and you know, reaffirming of their feelings. They're like, what's wrong with that guy? He's boring or whatever. I and then know. they were attracted to the people that didn't give them, they meet their needs. So ultimately, that wasn't going to shift until they shifted. That wasn't going to shift for me until I shifted. And it's the same for friendships, right? Like it's, right. can we can we open up ourselves up to be vulnerable and to be that which we want to receive? Um, and can we trust and kind of lean in into those conversations with each other? Um, and the thing I noticed about the more I loved myself, the more I had love to give. So I, oh, I started yeah. giving people for my overflow. It was, when my bucket was overflowing, I could just give. And I noticed that with my kids. I have kids. Um, and when my bucket is like 
halfway empty. I don't know. I don't have anything to give you. Like, I just, I need to go and kind of fill it up. So I have lots to give you. But like when I'm tapped out, and I think that's what happens sometimes with parents and with relationships that our pockets are like maybe halfway and then people are coming to, <laughs> to, to they're coming, you're like, I, I can't give you because otherwise I'll resent you because you're taking away from the, right? But when I love myself and it's full, I can then love you for my overflow. I can then have more than enough to give to people. And I don't need them to take or, or to take from their buckets. Yeah, um, 100%. But, yeah, because having that empty, I love that. I, I use that empty bucket analogy mm-hmm. a lot because mm-hmm. it's so true. When you're empty, it's so hard to give. And not only that, when you are empty and you are giving, it's always with this energy of like, oh. And then the other person is also feeling that energy when they take whatever you're offering and it never feels good on either party. So if I'm the recipient of somebody giving me this like deprived giving energy, then I feel weird. And then it feels like, what did I do? And it just never, it never feels good. So ultimately it's always better in my opinion to give from that full place because it feels good as a giver, but also as a receiver, you can receive that and be like, Oh, thank you so much. But when somebody gives you that, like we all, we've all experienced that when somebody gives you something and you know, they didn't want to give it to you. And then you feel bad that you took it. And then you're, you're feeling, and now you're in your feelings about it. You're like, Oh, did I take something away from them? Like what's happening? It's so intense and it's, and it can be so subtle. I think the key component of that uh, really is being truthful to yourself about not wanting to give or not being able to give in that moment. And I think for a long time, I think we've been conditioned to think, especially as women, um, but maybe I bought into this belief, but like, I remember it's, you know, it's better to give than to receive, you know, like, you know, you are more valuable, you're a good person if you give to others, you know, um, I know that in the work uh, that we do on self-compassion, a lot of the, there's a lot of barriers to self-compassion because people think it's egotistical they, they think it's selfish they think it's narcissistic which people have the wrong definition of narcissism <laughs> like that's that's a whole like, different topic um and so people feel really shamed to be able to say i'm sorry Karine, i cannot give you this at this time because i need to fulfill my own bucket they'll give you because they want to give to you but they don't have enough resources to give to you because they, they still need to give to themselves and I saw that a lot. I see that a lot in caregiver burden, like people who take care of other people, like, you know, they take care of elderly parents and so on. Right. Um, and so what happens in those circumstances is they feel obligated to give, but they don't take time out to take care of themselves and to give them, like, fill up their bucket and then return to give. And that's how you get burnt out. And then what happens is resentment builds and then you get that potential for abuse, right? Because right. they're so resentful. And they see it as their fault that they're asking for that. And it's sort of like this downward spiral. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a it's a slippery slope when you give and you don't want to give. And I it took me a long time to found find my loving power of no. Like so for so many I had I had a practice to say no to everything for a few months. Like I had to just say no to everything. And it was hard and I didn't realize because, you know, I'm like, I have, I have this exterior personality that I've been, and you know, that's been breaking over the years of being like this tough, like I can do anything. I'm, you know, kind of exterior. That's not truly my soul's purpose, but that's the identity I've built. 
And that identity will always say yes to everything. Like, yeah, I can do it. Yeah, I can do it. And then it'd be, it'd be yeah, and it's very it's exactly that kind of way where I'd give, but I don't want to give. And then I'd get resentful and then I get angry about it. And then I get spiteful and vengeful and it you know, goes down this dark path. But the power of no, man, that's totally shifted thing. It's because I was like, I love you, but I'm gonna decline. <laughs> like, you know, like just, and it, it's, it's been great. And the, and what I love about that, having, being able to have amazing friends that you can say no to, and respect your no, is really nice too. Because there are friends that are like, that will give you crap about it. So, yeah. and I think it's nice to have friends that are like, oh, I, I totally get it. No worries. And I'm like, oh, okay, I could say no. It's okay for me to say no because it's going to be received. I think that was a big fear. My Historically, was my fear of saying no because they're going to they're gonna make – I was afraid of the judgment that I couldn't do it or whatever, whatever. And I realized, like, you know, once you're honest with people, I feel like and show, and show them your vulnerability and what's going on in your life, people are way more compassionate than, than, we, give, than we know. You know, people are a lot more, oh, okay. You know, thank you for sharing, you know. Yeah. And I think the key part is you also make it okay for them to say no. Right. Exactly. So you're sort of modeling that, you know, like self-compassion, self-love requires boundaries, right? I'm not going to be in a relationship with you where you're going to hurt me. No, am I going to allow you to be that person? And so I'm going to love you from afar and that's okay. And so when, and when you do create those boundaries, you're saying to people, it's okay to create boundaries. Start you like we can each create boundaries and still have a relationship. And so what you're doing is you're modeling for people and making it okay to just have to have these boundaries. Because sometimes I, and I know that um not to get tangential, but with my kids in the beginning when I had kids, I had no boundaries when it came to them. Like anything that they wanted, and then I was like, What well, I'm tapping out, <laughs> like I'm I'm tiring out, right? Like, and then their expectations became and so now I take time out. They know that my meditation time is for me. And then, you know, like when they ask me for something, I'll say, I can take care of this right now, or I can, this is when I can do it. Or that, that can tap in, right? But I know that in the beginning, I felt like, well, I have to give my kids everything because that's what a good mom does. Um, and then I found myself like, oh, I don't have any boundaries. With, like I, should, I think it was my husband that pointed out. He's like, you don't have any boundaries with these kids around you, like you they see you as an extension of themselves. And it's like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's like anything that she has. And so it's good. It's been good for um, the modeling too. Um, and I think it, so it was my husband appointed. And I also noticed it in my son too, um, because he would sometimes like, my kids could come, I'm Hispanic. So my kids come, come and kiss me and, and hug me whenever, forever. And I do the same thing for them. But he, he started to do that to his friends. And so some of his friends were like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> boundaries, uh, right? And he's like, what uh, boundaries? <laughs> he's like, what? There's boundaries? Uh, and so oh, his sister was the boundaries. But um, so it was that. Like, my kids started to notice that, oh, when I'm invading someone's space, I need to ask for that. I need mm-hmm. to be, right? Like, I, there's just somebody else's little space. And. Everybody has a right to their space. And so, yeah, yeah. so that's, well, yeah, it's, that was cute. Really it's helpful cute that it's cute that he was wanting to love and wanting to do all these things that people were like, wait, wait. and that's, that's the thing about this planet. That's so sad to me that we're so, everyone's so desperate for love 
for that unconditional divine love. But then when it comes, so many of us are like, no, 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 no. And because, um, you know, kids are balls of love. They just want to hug and play. And and then all of a sudden there's these like walls of no, this is not okay. This is not okay. This is not okay. And it's crazy. There's so much fear. We're so afraid of each other. And we're so afraid of ourselves. Um, the reason why I say that is, so as I was going through my journey towards loving myself, I was really kind of dove deep into my trust issues. And I realized it was myself I didn't trust. Right. I didn't trust myself to deal with their betrayal. I didn't trust myself to be able to cope with something bad happening. Yeah. And then when I realized that, I was like, oh, it's not about them. It's about me. Again. Again. It's, oh, it's always about us. <laughs> I know. I just had a conversation with a friend literally last, like, last Saturday. And I was telling him that I was having an issue with a friend of mine, a mutual friend that she like hurt me in the past and I've been working on forgiving her. And I thought I had forgiven her. I was like, oh, I'm good. We're good. But then she brought up some stuff and I was just like, I just don't trust you because you hurt me years ago. So I feel I'm like anticipating for you to hurt me again. And then I asked him like, so how can I trust people? He said, trust yourself. You need to trust in your love your ability to love her, trust in you. If you're waiting to trust in someone else and waiting for someone to love you, then you've missed the point. Like you need to be the one to trust you. And I was like, huh. Like, and you know how people say things, people say things to you over and over and over. And it's like, okay, that's interesting. Okay, great. But sometimes they say it like the 20th time and it finally sinks in. And that was like that moment I had. I was like, this is like the hundredth time you've told me this. And I feel like it's solidified in a different way where it's like, yeah, trust is not necessarily about someone else. It's about you trusting that I'm going to be okay if she hurts me again. I'm going to be okay if they leave me. I'm going to be okay if the person dies, right? Because so many people don't want to love, right? Because this idea of this person I love so much is going to die at some point, right? And that is probably one of the most devastating emotions that all of us fear and all of us are kind of like holding our breath and not wanting to even imagine that the person that we love the most in the world is going to pass. So we yeah. hold back. And I was just mm -hmm. like, God, I wonder what it would be like to just fully love everyone and not care about any of that stuff and just fully get into it and not have to worry because I trust myself that much that I'm going to be okay. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. Try that a little bit. <laughs> I am, I am, I am. Yeah, try it. And like, you know, like to say, yeah. okay, so for this next half an hour, I'm going to love fully and as much as possible, like without yeah. the need for someone to be different. Right. Without the, so it's so a true, and so this is the issue about, I think this is the, the, the part that we have a hard time thinking about in terms of unconditional love. You know, my, my husband and I, because we do this work together, one of the things he says to me about compassion is compassion is allowing all things to be. You know, like all things to be, you mean like child abuse and all these horrible things and racism, right. like what the hell, right? And what he's really talking about is that resistance we introduce, right? Right? We say, you know, I love everyone except those people, mm -hmm. except these people. Or people have to be different or change in order for them to be lovable. And the truth of the matter is unconditionally loving people is loving them without the need for them to be any different. 
is actually seeing their divinity, right? Like, so there's a spiritual aspect to our work. You know, you're talking about energy and vibration, right? Um, and so from our perspective, there really is no death. We came from source, we go back to source, and these physical bodies that we have are just our vehicles for this lifetime, right? Um, and so when you think about love, love is like something that is beyond just this three. It's like when you love people, like the way that I love my children is I think I love them like beyond the physicality. Like I, I feel like I've always loved them. Like I don't know if we were together, but I don't even know like in past lives or whatever. But I'm like, my love for them is just like it's out outer worldly if I if I can think about it that way. Um, and so when my husband and I have conversations about compassion, it really is about, you know, observing the world and, and seeing it and saying, okay, in order for me to love this world, it has to change. It doesn't have to change. Now, I can accept what has been created, so that's allow, not introduce a resistance. And I can choose to want to create something different or align to something different, align to something to a, a world where we all experience love, we're all accepted, we're all included, we're all seen and valued and loved. Um, so it's it's those pieces, but it's hard. It's hard when we see the kind of the, the jagged edges of the world, all of ourselves really, because we're all, we all have that potential to, right. or to behave in terrible, horrible ways. And when we see it, we're like, it's them, not us, It's it, it's not me. But how would I behave if I was in their circumstance? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. And so I think the more that we can unconditionally love ourselves first and then others, I think that the greater chance we can get to maybe possibly ending up or aligning to a better world. Absolutely. I mean, I love what you said about the divinity. Like for me, thinking about those evil acts that people do in the world is that idea is that we're all one. So if you're, if we're all one, then that means whatever you are, I am, mm -hmm. I'm choosing not to do those things, but I still have the potentiality mm -hmm. to do something quote unquote evil and having compassion for those people, because ultimately they are a reflection of me and I'm a reflection of them. And that whole concept has been very difficult. And especially when you think of people that are really like in your mind, evil, like the Hitlers of the world, you're like, how can I even comprehend that level of evil? Right. And that takes a lot of compassion to be like, okay, like where's, where's his humanity and where's my humanity and how can I find love in this really dark place? And I feel like that's really the work because it's a lot. It's beautiful to be like, oh, I love everyone that's amazing. But can I love a pedophile? You know, like because there are some people that do stuff. I'm just like, I don't even have the words to comprehend how could anyone do that. But then again, I'm in this incarnation. Who's to say that I didn't have a past life where I was doing exactly that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So who am I? Who am I to judge in this moment? You know, I think that's also for me working on that. Like, I am not holier than thou. Like, I'm not, like, getting myself off this pedestal because I find it's, you know, being on a spiritual journey of, like, becoming a better person, there is a potentiality where you fall into this, like, well, I'm better than you because I'm focused on love and I'm a compassionate person. Like, And then it goes, you know, then your ego takes over and then, then you're not much different than the, than the pedophile in a lot of ways because your ego has taken over. 
So staying in your heart and being compassionate is a daily choice of constantly looking and reflecting and being peaceful and being like, and looking at multiple angles and really pouring love into it and being like, okay, like, and having that gentleness. I think a a large part of love, I think, is that gentleness, because when you're gentle, you can start to look at things in a softer, kinder, slower way, which can be helpful in really painful situations where you're just like, the atrocities can be so um, intense to bear and to even think about that are happening this very moment. Yeah. It's so funny as you were talking. Um, I reminded, I follow this man uh, called Paul Selleck. He's a channeler. And one of the things, my favorite yeah. lines that he says is when we think we're above the, someone, we're actually below them. Mm-hmm. It's my, it makes me laugh. It's my absolute favorite quote. So, um, so, uh, I have a podcast and I had this woman on my podcast who was actually a rape survivor and she talks about her journey in actually, cause she actually went on a trip and she actually was kidnapped and raped while she was on this trip. Um, oh and the whole story is really about her during the situation. She leaned in and found love for this person and she feels that it actually saved her life because he was going to kill her. But the more she leaned into his story, the more she leaned into his um, into his suffering, the more he began to see her as a human being worth not harming. Mm-hmm. And so the story it go in and, and, and so what I loved about that story, I mean, like the story is terrible in itself, right. but her experience was so she does work in on compassion in jails, and how we got together was that I was. I was working on bringing compassion into the child protection system. And um, we were talking about how, you know, from the perspective, we have all contributed to a world where these things have happened. Right. Right? So we have, and even the Hitler situation, before Hitler became Hitler, Germany was completely crippled after the First World War. Not to justify the behavior, but there's so many different ways that we contribute through acts of omission or commission, right? Where we ignore people that are um, harming other people or we benefit from doing. And so it's all of us. We have consciously aligned to this world where these things happen. And so the only way that from our perspective is that in order for us is we need to heal ourselves. And through that, we can then start to love other people in a way that doesn't harm them or require them to be what we need them to be. Um, but it was it was that awareness that really kind of shook me a little bit, which is like, oh, I'm contributing to a world where pedophilia exists because of how we we consider sex, what we make taboo, like all of these horrible things. We have contributed to a world where women have been oppressed. Like there's lots of stories about the Me Too movement. Lots of stories were out there before that. People were coming forward and we, people were ignoring those stories. They were, you know, they were bought out. They were told to be quiet. Indigenous people had been telling their stories for many, many years. And it wasn't, like it, it was, people were silenced. Um, and so it's hard to believe that we have contributed in that way. But nothing is going to change until we accept responsibility for this world. And to me, that was a, that was a hard one. <laughs> that was like a mm-hmm. hard pill to swallow. You're like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. That was a very hard pill to swallow. And also with that, exactly what you're talking about, it's like 
taking responsibility that me as an individual, I could shift my consciousness to love and being a better human that will also shift the whole paradigm yeah. of the world. Like I, my energy is enough to do, to make changes and shifts into, in people's lives. Because I think as an individual, because if we're all one, we're all connected. So if I'm healed, that means millions of thousands of people are also healed on a certain mm-hmm. level, on a certain energetic level. And if there's enough of us that can make that shift, then we can also help shift the the earth and the planet, people's consciousness into a more love consciousness. And me believing like, well, I'm just an itty bitty person. <laughs> like, like having that. So like that's where the ego is like, oh, but you're one little person that that's not true. But it is, but it is, it's not. That's a, such a lie and realizing I am responsible for who I am and what I bring into the world. And that is, and that was a very huge pill to swallow. Cause it was like, red pill or blue pill like <laughs> do you want to go to sleep or do you want to wake up <laughs> yeah exactly you know? totally. and i love that you said that because it is so true uh, we are more powerful and empowered than we give ourselves credit in shifting ourselves that's shift the world like you don't have to like i mean i mean my husband and i do this because we love to do that sort of stuff right like in terms of like some of the work that we do even having a conversation with someone is super powerful, you know, just yeah. loving someone, loving yourself and, you know, bringing that joy into the world. It has a huge impact on people. Uh, when I used to work in child protection, I used to work as a QA manager and then as a director. And I used to have uh, conversations with young people uh, who are in, were in care um, as well as sometimes their families. Um, and the most powerful thing that the kids would say was that small things had a huge impact on their lives. If somebody brought them a coffee or saw them as a human being, they were like, that, that changed me. And so it, it, we don't have to all be Mother Teresa's or the Dalai Lama. Just by being yourself, you just can totally shift the world, which is yeah, why I love what you said. Yeah, with the smile, shift everything. Yeah. Well, let's get into the infinite love questions. So the first one is, well, it's going to be obvious for you. But how do you express love in your work? Um, so basically, uh, what we do is we help people remember their own self-compassion and self-love. Um, it's about, for us, it's, it's a journey of unlearning. We believe that our default setting is love and compassion. We really do. Um, you know, you can see it in kids. You're talking about bundles of love, how they just yeah. want to love and they want to be loved. Um, so for us, it's helping people unlearn what they've learned and shift back and find more of themselves. So that they can just be live flourishing lives, which we all deserve. We all deserve to live the very best lives that we can live. Um, yeah, and we also do this uh, for businesses too. We bring greater compassion into the workplace because there's so many people suffering at work. It's so sad that people are. You know, wouldn't it be a dream if everybody just, uh, you know, did what they love to do, their passion, and were living their joy? Like, yeah, that would be terrific. It would be. Where has forgiveness brought more love into your life? Yeah, thank you for asking this. Um, it's interesting. Forgiveness is like a, a bit of an onion. So you think that you forgive and then there's another layer <laughs> that you go, oh, there's still that. What happened there? And then there's another layer and there's another layer. I think one of the things that I realized in my forgiveness uh, process, right? Um, so I've had moments where I've had to forgive myself. Uh, for hurting someone else um i've had 
wanted to ask for forgiveness. I've also had to forgive people for some of their behavior. Um, one of the things that I noticed in my forgiving other people for their hurtful behavior um, was that the not forgiving kind of actually kind of kept me energetically attached to them. Right. Like it, it kept me in that story of the victims, you know, like oppressor. It kept me in that story of, but it still kept me connected. And I think that once I was able to let go of myself as a victim, as, as somebody who's and to see kind of that it from a little bit of a broader perspective in terms of, you know, okay, I wasn't responsible for what happened to me, but I'm responsible for the thoughts and feelings and continuing to oppress myself moving forward. So once I was able to forgive other people, um, it, it opened up more space for love. It's sort of like I was able to let go of those attachments. I was able to let go of that identity that I had created of myself as a victim. Right. I was able to see that the behavior of the person was due to their own hurts and their own needs, unmet needs. Um, and I was able to kind of open up more space for love. So for me, forgiveness was, but if, what I didn't realize, it was such an onion, right? Like it was like, I thought, oh, I've forgiven. Such a good person. Look at me. Yeah, and then something mark. else would come up. And I'm like, oh, you're still here? What are you doing here? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah I so, mean, and then you go, and then you go again, and yeah. then you go dive even deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper until. You're able to, from what I've seen, you're able to see the experience almost as something that's happened to someone else. It's very strange. It's sort of, you're able to see it objectively, like, oh, it's in the recesses of my mind or whatever. But it's not like you're not in the story. You're not right. identified with it. You're not the character that was there, that was all that, those pieces. Um, and so that, that, that has been the interesting uh, observation I've made about forgiveness. Yeah, I love when you are in that place that you're just mentioning, the observation space, because energetically, it's so freeing. Yeah. It's just like this, the first time it happened to me where I truly forgave somebody, and I literally felt like energy had left me, and I got filled with all this I was like, what is this energy? It was like my own energy that was like, it was almost like my energy was stuck someplace and I really like took off something that was holding it back and it just flooded into me. And I was just like, that's so amazing that I am holding back my own energy of what I can give to the world because of some hurt feelings I had about something. And to me, it was remarkable. I was just like, wow, so forgiveness really has nothing to do with anybody else. It really is an internal journey of letting it go. Because what I also know about forgiveness, which I still chuckle about, is like, I'm holding this in. I'm mad as hell. This other person's chilling. They forgot about it. They're living their best life. And here I am all like curmudgeon and mad about it. What do, and I was just like, God, so many years wasted being mad about something that this, this other person's like not even thinking about it. So it really is an internal, like, mad about something that almost at, at that a certain point doesn't even exist anymore. It's literally in your mind. And you've created a story around it that has all this momentum and something else will happen. You're like, see what happened? Point, you know, like you were saying earlier, like, you, it's like you create situations in your life to validate that pain. Yeah. It's, yeah. In, it's, it's intense. 
what's that saying that is like anger is like the poison you drink so someone else dies right like, yeah nelson mandela said nelson mandela yeah, yeah. said that yeah like ha- yeah it's like you know anger that you are you are drinking you offering poison to someone else and yeah um so i wanted to share if you don't mind uh before the next question i wanted to share uh somebody had said to me it was a friend of mine um basically said you know the spirit cannot be broken and so how that really helped me is like if we're all spiritual beings and really so all of these things that we do to one another ultimately when we kind of transition go back to source we're all whole and complete so all of these things that we live are just for learning if our soul doesn't is still whole and complete mm-hmm. um and so that gave me some perspective in terms of like oh i'm more powerful than i give myself credit like so that's why for, like for us like here's the reason why I don't kind of do therapy in the traditional way is that sometimes I think people feel broken when they go to a therapist, right? It's like, no, no, you're not broken. There's nothing wrong with you. It's just, you have to unlearn some negative thinking and feeling. So you just kind of go back to yourself. Um, and so, not that there's anything wrong with therapy. I love therapy. I, I, I think of graduating me. I've done so much therapy. They're like, no, you're fine now. And I'm like, no, no, I can come back. And they're like, no, you're done. Um, <laughs> I think one of the things that we wanted um, to clarify to people is that they're not broken. Yeah. They're not broken. So. What is the most compassionate act someone has done for you? I love that you asked this question. So thank you so much for asking it. Um, the most compassionate act that someone has done for me is notice my suffering. Um, and what I mean is, um, so I was way, way before, um, so I think this was after my situation with my girlfriend. Um, you know how you say, like, it takes many times of multiple people telling you these things. Um, so I was suffering, and I, I think I was aware I was suffering, but I was suffering in silence. I didn't want to tell people about what was happening with me. Um, and uh, and I was really kind of feeling not great about myself. I was just like, it was just just suffering, suffering. And somebody I didn't know very well, I'd only seen maybe a, a handful of times, who was a friend of a friend, pulled me aside one day and said, what's going on for you? You know, um, when I first met you and now you're like a totally different person. You used to be like this glowy, happy person. And now I, you kind of seem like, what's going on for you? And I was like, you see me. You see me beyond the masks that I'm wearing to, to, you know, so that I won't burden people with my suffering and so that people can think, oh, look at me, I'm so together. And that to me was such a huge compassionate act because so many times we're going around suffering and nobody's noticing. Yeah. And sometimes we don't even notice ourselves. We don't even take the time out to notice and hold space for ourselves. And to me, that was kind of like one of the best things that somebody did for me. Oh, I love that. Okay. Next question is, what do you love most about your life? How long do we have? <laughs> I, I am, oh my God, I, I love everything about my life. Like I, I'm so, so grateful. Like, um, and I think part of why I'm sharing this is because everyone deserves to love their life. Everyone deserves to be a partner that they absolutely love that helps them grow with children that just kind of fill your heart but to challenge you because they're mirrors for you so they and they, and they know the, the, the you know the ins and outs of the things that you don't right like so my kids will tell me like you know like if i like raise my voice or get frustrated with them what about compassion oh, man. <laughs> you're like oh my god 
And you're like, but in the other way, you're like, yeah, you're right. I'm forgetting my compassion. Let me go take a moment and handle myself. Um, <laughs> I, would, yeah, I, would, I, love- I would have been that child. Yeah, that's something, that's something I would have. Oh, I my kids. My kids know. Um, <laughs> and uh, I, I love what I do. Uh, we love what we do. I, I just, I'm so, so grateful. And I wish I had known. I mean, I, I love everything about my journey. I don't even want to say that I wish I had known earlier. But I just want to share with your listeners that you have, everybody deserves to live their best life. A life of peace and joy and doing our passion and people that support you and lift you up and holding space for yourself. Um, and so if you're not doing that, then that's your, that's, that's your task. Yeah. <laughs> Find that. Where, um, how do you feel you receive love? Um, now I didn't, I, I was like, if I, when I had shared the story about the, the mind wants to be right, mm-hmm. that, that was me. That was me. And so I was not very good at receiving love. I, I like you, I thought people, oh, this person must have won something for me. That they can't be unconditionally loving. There has to be something that they want from me. Um, and so now I receive love with gratitude. I don't need it. I, I don't need it. But I'm so grateful for it. It is such yeah. a joy to have and to experience love and to love people. It is such a great thing to be, to just marvel in people's different, like how different we all are and how different we think and how different we look. This is why it's so sad to me like to see and not that you know it is what it is but you know we have kind of carved for ourselves like this perception of beauty or what we think beauty is or how we should look and so on but we're missing all of this beautiful diversity like you know like the flowers aren't going around saying oh everybody should look like a daisy <laughs> think of how boring <laughs> think if everything was a daisy right like you right. Have all this beautiful diversity that we don't yeah so, i think we're yeah sometimes we really kind of deprive ourselves absolutely and my last question is where has love created a miracle in your life it's a good one so i attribute love with the universe so for me unconditional love source universe are all kind of the same and um my life has always been pretty miraculous i just i just never really noticed some of the things that happened in my life and i think back on them like oh that's pretty miraculous like yeah. I used to before when I used to think that source or God was outside of me I used to ask for things right I remember one time when I was like I had like no money and I had gone on the trip with my girlfriend who had always had more money than I did I remember I was down to like I had a week left and I was down to like no money and so I remember mm-hmm. sitting on the bed and saying God if you could just give me some money I need five dollars just five dollars to get me through and uh, I went to um my aunt called us and said, you know, do you want to come for, for lunch? We'll take you out for lunch. And I thought, oh, maybe that's the gift. Like maybe free lunch. Okay. It's probably going to be worth it. So I'm sitting there with my um, aunt and my godmother shows up who was there. And my godmother, we always said that she talked to God. Like that was our thing. That was, you know, yeah, Lucy talks to God. And so right as we were done with the day, with the lunch, we go, we leave. She pulls me aside and says, Somebody told me you needed this and pulls out 50 bucks and gives it to me. Nice. I start bawling my eyes out because I'm like, right, older than $5, I got 50. But I was like, to me, there were so many instances where I was like, okay, source, I bring this or I would like that. And, and it and source does that for everyone. And we kind of cut it off. We think we have to do it for ourselves. We're not in alignment with our, 
our higher self. Um, and so there's so many different ways that that universe loves us and wants to do that for us. But we pinch it off. And for a long time, I had pinched that off. All those experiences I had, I just kind of went, ah. And then I just totally stopped living from that place. And so, yeah. I love That's that one story. Of my stories. God was like, you want a five? Here's a 50. Here's a 50. <laughs> I love it. And, and then, okay, so my girlfriend was there. And she didn't know this story, right? Because I had done all this while she was taking a shower. You see me at the restaurant bawling my eyes out. Bawling. And my aunt, of course, she was like, yeah. And so my friend's like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> you never had 50 bucks before. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, I asked for five. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. How can people find you, connect with you and your husband and the work that you're doing? Oh, thank you very much for that. Um, so you can find us at www.mytreecenter. So it's M-A-I-T-R-I-C-E-N-T-R-E.com. And on our website, we have uh, online courses, we have workshops that we do. We also have uh, a podcast as well that uh, talks about loving compassion as well, very similar. Um, and uh, yeah, and we have a blog as well. So if people want to social follow us on social media, they can. It's My Tree Center One. Um, but yeah, thank you so much, by the way, Kareen, for this opportunity. It was such a great yes. conversation. It was so so much fun. Um, I would really feel blessed and grateful to, to have been on your podcast. Thank you so much. Well, have a beautiful day and I'm sending you love. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe and tune in on Tuesdays for new episodes. For more information about me, please follow me on Instagram at Corinne J. Camara and my website, CorinneCamara.com. Sending you lots of infinite love.